Hey mama, last week on the podcast I had Kaylee who is a connected parenting coach and this week is a continuation of our conversation. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to episode 172 on the podcast from last week and today we are continuing on with part two of our conversation where we are going to get into the practical strategies to help calm us down, to help calm our children and to help calm us as mamas. So let's get into today's episode, part two with Kaylee from Chaos to Connected. Hey mama, do you want to balance maintaining your home, cooking, cleaning, all the things you have to do as a stay-at-home mum whilst being present with your family? Do you find yourself up late at night scattered thinking about all the things you didn't get done and so need to do tomorrow? Is your greatest desire for your littles to know and love Jesus? Hey, I'm Elise. When I became a mum, I felt overwhelmed and wished that I could just stay on top of everything. I wanted to be there for my family and yet all these things still had to get done. I was worried that I would spend this time too busy and miss it. Until I found the secret, partnering with God even in our home life. In this podcast, you'll find tactical tips for homemaking, help for your low-tox journey, as well as biblical parenting so that you will find God's joy and experience His peace in motherhood. Welcome to Wholesome Mama. It's time to go grab your cup of tea, reheat it because you know, and let's get into today's episode. All right, we are back for part two. We still have Kaylee here with us, which uh, thank you for sticking around for a long conversation we are going to continue talking if you haven't already listened to part one pause this episode go and listen to part one so this will make sense because this is really the next step uh, of the conversation but Kaylee can you to continue on where we left off we were talking about connection with our children really being the building block the foundation to for lack of a better term, improve their behavior in the long term. So can you just share with us what are some of the connection strategies? Like for a mum who's going, this is all really new to me because for some, like this is new. This is not what we're taught when, you know, you're given a baby and go, okay, like go connect. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Can you share with us what the connection strategies are and again, just why they're so important? Yeah. And I think the other thing to remember too, um, because some of these might be harder for you than others is that we weren't necessarily raised this way. Like maybe some people, but it's very odds, not the best word, but like, it's very out of the ordinary to have been connected with when you've had behaviors. And so this does not come naturally. And I think a lot of times people are like, well, is this giving permission for behaviors? And it's definitely not. It's just recognizing your child developmentally needs connection. When our babies are born, they need our connection. That is how they soothe and calm. And that's how they learn. And so connection is just so, so, so important. So there are four main connection strategies that I teach. So the first one is special time. Now, this is different than one-on-one time. Um, One-on-one time is great, but special time is like completely focused, fully engaged. You do not go to the bathroom. You don't feel good to drink. You are just in with your child and they're in control. So you have to do whatever they say 
unless obviously it's a safety issue. So I always tell parents, like, if there's something you don't want them to do, like you don't want to use screen time or, you know, maybe they're really into like cooking and you, you just, for whatever reason, you don't want to do that or something, letting them know upfront what might be off limits because you don't want to get into this special time and telling them like, you're in control and I have to do whatever you want. And then they say something, you're like, sorry, we can't do that, you know? Um, and it's just, it gives the child the opportunity to be in control because they so often don't have that opportunity. Plus you are fully engaged. And this is for a designated time. So my goal is usually like 20 minutes. You could even do 10. Wherever you're at, the more you can do it, you know, so like if you can do it five days a week, really great, especially if you're struggling with behavior. But if you're like, I want to, but I just don't know if I can, it'd be much better to just start at one or two times. And then once you get in the routine, then increase if you want. A lot of times we used to do this before bed because bedtime was really challenging, but it just gives you and your child this opportunity to really just fully engage with each other, which we don't often get like we're busy, you know, there's lots of stuff to do. And so it can really help build that trust and safety um, and help with the behaviors just because you're getting more connected. And then again, they get control. And the reason you have that time limit is because we as adults cannot be fully engaged for long periods of time, especially if we have other children or other things to do, supper to get ready, whatever it might be. And so just really creating this space, this amount of time, and then doing what they want. The other one is called stay listening. So that is where I was talking about in the first part about really just coming near to your child and listening through their big feelings, not trying to stop them, just supporting them through it, um, setting firm, but loving limits. So this style of parenting, um, might sound like, well, they're just getting away with it, but really you can set firm, loving limits without being harsh and unkind and just still make it clear. Like I'm still the authority here and I'm still in charge and then listening when they don't like the limit you're setting. Um, and then play, play listening. This one is the one that's most challenging for me. Like I could sit and listen to crying behaviors for long, long periods of time. But for me, play was always a struggle. And again, this is where I was just saying, we weren't raised this way so often. Like people didn't try to play when we were whiny, you know, they scolded us or gave us a punishment or a consequence or something. And it's really just recognizing that our kids learn best through play. And so when we can come with play, it diffuses tension, it builds that connection and it's fun and it actually gets the job done. So those are the four main ways that you can really build in connection with your child. Mm, I love those. I love that like even so if you're listening to this, just pick one, just pick one to start with, like write them, write them all down, but pick one and go, okay, this week I'm going to do 10 minutes of special time with like with each child or if there's one child that you really feel like needs needs this more than the others then do that and do it like 10 minutes three times a week this month and just work on mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to 
Um, Because, you know, we can listen to this and go, okay, well, now I need to do this and this and this and just put more pressure on yourself, get more overwhelmed, which is the opposite of what we're trying to to share about. But I love, yeah, each one of them just so connecting. And I find it, yeah, the play one, I think will be the biggest struggle for a lot of mums because we a lot of us don't know how to play or don't know how to play my problem is I don't know how to play like letting him be in control my son because he'll like have all these wacky ideas to play and then I'm like I don't understand how to play that out but okay here we are and and I would just say like ask him you know when we were doing special time and and my son was like he wanted me to be a certain thing and I would say oh well what's he supposed to say or something I mean obviously in special time then they're in control but it would still build some of that Mm -hmm. control in. Um, And I think it is, it can be really hard to get into play because we're so like, you know, we got to do all these things and, and kind of mom mode sort of, but when you can get into it, it's so fun. And it's just like this genuine laughter that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do recommend, so play is obviously a really good one, but special time is also, like one I would recommend first yeah. because it helps with all types of behavior. It helps with behavior that is occurring. Like, for example, I've had people who have had kids who have had behaviors in school do special time at home and it has resolved the behavior in school. But also if you're finding that you struggle being triggered, this is a really good way to build connection without having to think like, I can't stay calm for this whole crying session or like, I just can't handle this anymore because you're playing and you're just spending time together. That's really focused. So especially if you feel like you're overwhelmed by behavior, special time is a really great option to start with. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That is, and what I found is like what I, um, can't think of the word but like how nice for our kids when they grow up to look back and have had that connection with us and I think how good it is building that now in their younger years in their like these really formative years so that when they're teenagers and we're dealing with a whole nother range of behaviors and attitudes and whatever teenagehood's gonna throw our way that we have that connection in place so that we don't necessarily have to deal with all those things that we might have to deal with, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because so much of what we're taught to do as moms with kids who have behavior is ignore it, send them to their room, mm-hmm. have them go calm down, like away from you, time out. But what we're really doing is teaching them we're not okay with the emotions that you're expressing right now. And then when they get to be teenagers, we're like, please talk to us, you know, tell us what the problem is. And it's like, we've been training them for years that we don't want to deal with the behavior that it's going to make it so much harder for them to feel willing to come to us because Mm -hmm. of our reactions. And I think we're doing it so often having no idea that's what we're doing. We're just trying to help our child, you know, to listen and obey and learn manners and that sort of thing. But we really are like thinking of parenting as we're not just parenting for right now. We are parenting for our kids to become the adults that we want them to become. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, and it's hard. And some days 
Like even some seasons of motherhood, you are in like survival mode of just get through today, just get through this week, just get through. But that's just a season. And even still, we need to have this, um, especially as Christian mums, this um, eternal perspective, as you were saying in the first part of like, is this going to matter? And what, who am I um, helping God to develop my child into like who am I who do I want my child to be and how do I help form that in these younger years so that when they are 15 and things happen they know that I'm still a safe space to come home to I'm still gonna listen I'm not going to disregard their emotions or their fears or their worries or whatever it is that I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to love them through whatever. I'm going to help them. And I think that that is like what a difference in a generation that could be. Mm-hmm. What difference? I, I think like, you know, people always say that marriage is for holiness, not happiness. And I just think that so much about motherhood too. You know, like I have never been so sanctified, you know, and it's like, right now we're kind of, I have a six and a three-year-old and we are kind of transitioning from a lot of the like crying to a little bit more attitude, you know? And it's like, we're starting this whole process over again, because now it's like entering this new. And I just, I really think like really forming good daily habits about going to the Lord and just you know, like we were talking about before, praying for eyes to see your child like God does and really thinking about how you can kind of convey or work on the fruits of the spirit in motherhood. And one of them is (laughs) self-control. So like, we're never going to arrive, but I think like it is, it is when we think past just this behavior, like I, I don't like it, or it's so challenging, but like, what can God be working on in your heart mm. with? And one of the, you know, most challenging times for me was when, so my three-year-old just started sleeping through the night, probably a couple months ago. <laughs> and I just remember times when he was, well, like he would wake up and I would just be in the room, just, you know, rocking him and crying and just like praying to God, like, why, you know, like, why won't he sleep? And, and, and I think something that, you know, we don't have to be perfect with our prayers. Like there have been plenty of times where I have been like, why do you have to make this so hard for me? You know, like just giving all of that to the Lord and recognizing that he knows our kids better than we do praying for wisdom for how to handle the situation and just really recognizing that it's okay for us not to be perfect and to have no idea what we're doing and to lose our cool, that's human nature, but that we can always kind of, you know, go back to the father and just lay it out there. Like that's, that relationship is kind of, you know, it's a model for, obviously we'll never achieve, achieve that, but just really thinking about some of those things. And, um, it's been just such a good process of, being convicted in those moments. Like I might say something and then I feel conviction, like shouldn't have done that, like do this instead, you know? And so I do, I think it's just been such a huge faith builder for me on this journey as well, because that closeness 
with the Lord when you're building that and really allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you, then in those moments where you are struggling, you know, you can cry out or pray or whatever, but also you can get conviction. You can get wisdom and discernment for what should I actually do here? Because you know him better than I do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I I can't imagine trying to do this and how much striving and how hard it would be to do it without with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and without like community of faith-filled believers and, you know, without the word or prayer. I don't know how people do it. And there's just so much shame, right? Like when we, when we have a heart focused on the Lord, we can recognize like, Hey, there's things here that we can change, but we don't have to feel shame about them because we know we're not perfect. We know the Lord is still working. We're doing our best. We're trying and just allowing that process to happen versus sitting back and like, Oh, he held again. And I'm such a terrible mom. You know, I mean, we might have those days, but we can always kind of go to the Lord and recognize like, we aren't a terrible person. We're just having a tough time too. Yeah. Yeah. That we're still imperfect sinners. God's still working in us and we'll continue that way too. And that's what I tell my kids, right? Like when I have to apologize, I say, you know, I'm not perfect nobody's perfect except for God, you know? And I think that's a good point to make. Like our kids should recognize we aren't perfect because, um, sometimes I think that can build perfectionism in our kids when they, when you actually don't, if you never lost your cool, your kids would have this standard to live up to. That's just not realistic. And so I think it's totally fine. I mean, obviously (laughs) my goal is to try to, stay more regulated but when we do mess up to own up to it and just say like you know I had to ask for forgiveness and you know pray about it and I'm still working on it too and I think that's normal and good for our kids to see yeah and I think how like how much of a humbling experience is it for you as the mom to to apologize to your child and um, but you know, I, f- I find that there's so much freedom. I feel so much freedom in that moment where I do apologize to them and, and have that conversation of, you know, mommy lost it. And I'm, I'm really sorry that I did. I should not have spoken to you like that. Um, can you forgive me? And then talk, we talk about it. And I feel so much free because I know that they know that my, like occasionally I do lose it. Occasionally I might yell. I might say something that probably shouldn't have been said, but they know then like I'm modeling to them and we're the greatest example of what to do when you do go wrong. And that's something that I've seen my kids now do is apologize to each other without us having to like force them or tell them to, because they've seen us do it to each other or us do it to them and, like it's just what's modeled and so I think that yeah that's but it's so humbling as a mom mm-hmm. and it's hard at first you know mm. it's really hard to start up in in um even to our spouse like that is something that was so hard like I would want to apologize and I could just feel like coming up but like stopping myself yeah. and I, I think like motherhood is just the perfect opportunity to get comfortable apologizing you know <laughs> Oh, that's so true. There's so much to learn. So we've really covered 
the connection around that and how that is the foundation for us. And then I guess the next building block when it comes to helping our children with their um, emotions and with their behaviors is to use what you speak about, these calming strategies. So can you share with us what calming strategies are that we've talked about connection strategies? So what are the calming strategies? And give us even a few examples of some of those. Yeah. So when I, you know, do coaching with anybody, we always start with connection, managing triggers, and then calming strategies comes last. And this might seem foreign, but our brains were designed to seek out input to help us regulate on their own. So I always like to give this example because I think it's easily relatable, but you know, if you're driving a car late at night and you're tired and like falling asleep, you will naturally maybe turn up the radio. That's an auditory experience. You might roll down the window or turn up the air. That's a touch experience. Um, and so we're naturally doing all these things that is helping our body to get to that just right optimum functioning level. So when our kids are connected, unless there's some other like neurological um, or sensory processing disorder, our brains can do that on its own. You know, so I've seen even my three-year-old can, he will ask for something that like a, a back rub when he's trying to fall asleep because he can't fall asleep or something. And so that's why I don't like to do it first because we're missing a huge chunk. But what I would suggest first is just exposure to lots of different sensory experiences. So, you know, different kinds of movement. And and these are all things that are probably naturally happening unless you just pretty much sit inside and watch TV all day. Um, But blowing bubbles, um, different flavors of food, you know, spicy or sour, um, just really just regular child play, you know, playing in sand and rice and Play-Doh, just all of these different experiences, exposing them to that. Um, And then, you know, when you are feeling dysregulated, whatever you do, you know, modeling that, if you take deep breaths, if you, um, I used to like take an oil bottle and literally take the cap off and just sit there while both of my kids are crying at my feet and just like take deep breaths while I'm smelling the oil to help me calm down. Um, so just, you know, kind of modeling. And one of the things that I work with parents on is figuring out what your child's sensory preferences are, because we all are sensory beings. So there's going to be things that, you know, one kid gravitates to more than another. So if your child really loves, like, can't sit still, then maybe you want to think about calming strategies that involve movement. So maybe that's a rocking chair. Maybe that's riding a bike. Maybe that's swinging. Um, And just really kind of thinking about some of those different things. You can ask your child. Sometimes they know. Um, And if you're like, I literally have zero idea, I would strongly suggest anything that has to do with the mouth. Because two reasons. This is how we generally calm when we're babies. It's like the first thing, right? Aside from, you know, some of that touch, like skin to skin, that sort of thing. Either it's a nook, maybe you were breastfed or bottle fed, like that is calming for your child. 
And so things like, like I said, anything with blowing, blowing bubbles, um, blowing up a balloon, blowing noisemakers, just different things that, and you can, you know, you can go on Google and type up oral motor calming strategies and find a whole list. The other reason that I really like oral motor stuff is because it, it, um, involves deep breathing. So like, if you think about blowing bubbles, you inhale and then you exhale more slowly. Mm. And what that's doing is activating the vagus nerve. So I won't like go a whole lot into that, but the vagus nerve is our longest cranial nerve. It goes from our head down to our stomach. It connects all of our major body organs and systems. And the one automatic function that we can also control is breathing. And so when we can do an oral motor activity like bubbles, for example, we are initiating deep breathing, which is, you know, connected by that vagus nerve to all our other body systems. And so when we're slowing our breathing down, everything else is slowing and calming down. And so it's just a really great option. If you're like, I have no idea, I have no idea what else to do, but as your child gets older, they will naturally seek out experiences that they have had that their brain has said, Oh, this helps me. You know, for example, I had a nine-year-old I was working with and he was going to OT for a long time, trying to work on regulation, got him connected, hated going to the doctor and the dentist. They went. And after, you know, after we'd been working together, he went, got his part done. And I think, you know, one of his parents or siblings or something had to go next And he said, can we go outside in the parking lot and run sprints? And the parents had no idea. But when she told me that, I was like, that's amazing because he's recognizing I don't feel regulated. Mm. Running sprints is going to help my body. That's like movement and deep input all combined into one. And it's calming. And so it's just an example of our kids will seek things out when they're connected. So we don't have to feel like we have to force calming strategies. I think it's just about, you know, more about exposure and having those things kind of available and then identifying, like, if you see that your child, um, was playing something, maybe they were swinging and you notice like they really calmed down. Then you could say, Oh, the swing looks like that really helped calm your body. What do you think? And so kind of helping key in just a little bit extra that this is an activity that really helps or in the moment when you're recognizing you need something, thinking back, oh, the swing really helped. Let's try to get to the swing sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so, so good to like be, let your child be in tune as well because like the boy who wanted to run sprints, to me, I'm like, that's not calming at all. But Mm -hmm. to his body, it was. So it's not, not putting this expectation on like, okay, to calm down, you need to sit still and do deep breaths because like, especially what four-year-old, like that's not calming to them at all. They need to like calm down to get to a place where they can sit still. So I think that that like not understanding that them swinging on a swing might be more than just them playing on a swing. Like it's Mm -hmm. maybe they went there because their body needs that back and forth, that rocking to calm down and they they recognize that in and of themselves and so I love that being really aware and then helping bring that to their attention so that then when they are in a bit of a flustered moment 
you know, and get, well, let, let, let's go swing, swing on the swing for a little while. Yeah. Sorry. I just want to say too, like sometimes it might be in order to clarify kind of when do you do connection versus when calming. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, if your child is really like in a meltdown, that is not the time. Let your child have the meltdown. If your child is kind of whiny and they're, you know, they're able to still hear you and listen and function, then that would be a good time to um, either get into play or maybe transition to like getting outside to some playground equipment or something like that versus like in, in the deep throes of the behavior and the meltdown. Yeah. So what let's go into that. We'll finish up soon, but even let's, let's throw a scenario together. Say you are like, we talked about, I don't remember if it was in this part of the last part, we talked about um, like getting out the door because mm-hmm. for, well, for me, for instance, that that's a big one. And even this morning, that was the challenge was everyone, all three had a meltdown getting out the door and we had to do school drop-off. So it mattered that we, like we'd left it. I asked several times. So what do we do then when it's like, I can't just let them all, okay, well, you just have a meltdown. Cause it feels like we just need to stay home. I just like, okay, you have a meltdown. I'm here mm-hmm. when it's like all three of them though. It's like, um, you're okay. Okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. But when mm-hmm. it's, when you can't let them be in that mode, like you need to get up and get moving. What do we do in that situation? Because I know for a lot of us either um, like getting out the door or going to bed are like the two hardest parts of the day. Um, but let's talk about getting out the door. What, what do we do in that situation? So I think play is your biggest friend here. And so like, is there a certain part, you know, like, is there a certain kind of trigger? Is that brushing teeth, getting dressed? Like, is there a part where everything seems to melt down? Did you feel like there was something? Oh, yes. The actual walking out the door to the car, like getting dressed oh. was fine. Brushing teeth, fine. Getting getting our bags was fine. It was the actual moving from the threshold of the back door to the car. Okay, so I would just think about, you know, for for anyone listening, what is like the tipping point that it looks like it is? So for getting out the door, trying to just trying to figure out how to make it fun. Like if you know, maybe it doesn't happen this way every time, but when it does happen, it's usually from the door to the car. How could we make it? fun. So Mm. that might either be putting something in the car that they can look forward to doing on the way, because they might recognize we're going to school. This is a disconnecting time, which is why usually mornings and night before bed are difficult because kids recognize I'm going to be disconnected, you know, like when they're in their room and you're in yours, um, or when they're at school and you're not, there's disconnection there. And that can be something that even if they can't speak to they're feeling like I'm, I'm feeling nervous or anxious about this. So having something in the car that they can look forward to, you could do something like a transition item. So like if they have some sort of fidgety thing that they really like putting it by the door, once their shoes are on and they have their bag, they grab that and they walk to the car with it. And they kind of, you know, whatever that might be, maybe it's some like squishy ball or something just really small and basic could be a toy, something like that. 
or you could try to turn it into play. Um, there's obviously so many different options and it might take you some time to figure out like, what does your child find funny? Because like, I could give you lots of examples, but your kid might be like, that's, you know, that's not funny. For example, my three-year-old right now is really into like sneaking around. Like he'll, he'll kind of like walk around and be like, don't look at me, (laughs) you know? And so maybe like for him, it would be like, let's see if we can sneak to the car without, you know, X, Y, Z happening or something like that. And just really trying to, how can we make this fun for our kids? Or, you know, you were talking about the, the racing or whatever, like, can we all get in the car buckled up like together? Not like who can win because then that, that can build clash too. But before I count to 10, or something like that, you know, whatever, just figuring out something that your kids are really into and creating play. If your struggle is bedtime, we used to struggle a lot with either putting jammies on or brushing teeth. And so, um, one of the times I would take my son's clothes and put it on, like take, take his underwear and like put it on my head or put it on my arms. And he'd be like, Hey, that doesn't go there. And I'm like, yes, it does. Let me put it on, you know? And I'm kind of like, putting it on and really playing up. Like, this is where it goes. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, it doesn't, you know, and you just kind of banter back and forth, um, with brushing teeth, like just the silliest things. Like he had, I think it was a buzz light your toothbrush once or something. And I would hold it and be like to infinity and beyond. And I like dive to his mouth and he was like, you know, zip it shut. And then I'd be like, let me in there. And then I do it again. And then eventually he would open his mouth and he, you know, I'd start brushing and, and then he'd close it and, um, just kind of like playing into, I don't remember all of the, all of the specifics about toy story, but kind of like whoever that Zerg or something, you know, like just adding in some of that when he closes his mouth tight and just really making it fun because then your child is going to be more engaged more willing to do what you're asking and you're connecting, especially right before a time that they're feeling like I'm going to be disconnected and I'm stressed about it. And so you're adding in this extra period of connection that will get the job done, but also help your child with whatever, you know, whatever task it is that you are needing them to do. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought of it that way that going to school or going to bed uh disconnect time so even though they like it's not like my kids will go I'm really anxious because it's like school's a time of disconnect from you mom mm-hmm. like if they actually said that you'd be like what but like they're feeling it it's what they're feeling they just don't know how to put words to it they don't know how to express it and they they probably don't even fully comprehend the fullness of what they're feeling. Um, and so us ha- being aware of that and going, okay, well, how can we, how can we add more fun? And I think that even that in and of itself, like how can I add more fun to my kid's day is probably a good thing like to mm-hmm. ask ourselves because we can, when we've talked about this, we get so caught up in mum mode, like do this, do this, do this, do this. So we go, I don't have time to play. I don't have like time to have all this fun. And like, well, then maybe we need to strip everything back and relook at our priorities or like sometimes, I don't know, we just need to 
let loose as mums a little bit. <laughs> I mean, we do, we get into these routines and kind of like, we have to get all these things done, but it, it like, it's, there's so much joy, not for just our kids, but you know, when I come with play, like it's fun for me too, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even, um, you know, like if they get dressed and it's time to come out for breakfast, like, I think I saw some worms in your bowl, you know, like, it doesn't have to be like, we have to have this big play scheme or something. It can just be like these little comments. Um, sometimes we'll also, like I started doing like, um, would you rather, you know, cause I have a six and a three-year-old. So like, would you rather, and making it really silly, um, <laughs> especially just thinking like I have two boys and you know, like that can even be something that you do like transitioning to the car, you know, would you rather be this or this? And, um, even my three-year-old will be like, would you rather be a hat or a shoe? And it can just like, it's so fun to see what they come up with, but then like, well, why do you want to be a hat instead of a shoe sort of a thing? Mm. And so it doesn't have to feel so complicated. Like, Oh, now I have no idea what to do, but like, just just start doing something and, um, just let your child guide you and just try to not feel so like, I think sometimes we are trying to not even, um, thinking about it, but have this like facade of like keeping it all together, but just like, yeah. you know, let loose, like that's what our kids want. And it's just, it is so truly fun when you can do that and your kids laughing and you're just like true on belly laughing, you know, like it is, it's worth the challenge of figuring out. And I will say the more you practice it, the easier it starts to come. Yeah. And it's so rewarding to put in the the work to play because at first it can feel like work. Um, like mm-hmm, learning sure. how to let loose, learning how to let go of like expectations of what your day should be and, and learning to play, but seeing your child when they feel connected or um, like at the end of the day, we do one of our, the things that we do is favorite thing. Like, what was your favorite thing today? Like the other week I took my son to the park and he basically sat on the bench next to me at the playground. He didn't really go and play much, but he sat on the bench and I was like in my head going, do you want to go play at the park? Like I've, I've dropped the girls off. So it's just you and I, do you want to go play? Yeah. Wait a minute. And then, but then at nighttime, so he maybe we were there for like 40 minutes. He maybe only played on the equipment, of course, the last 10 and then I was like, okay, time to go now. But he, he came straight away. He was happy as the rest of the day went really well. And then at nighttime, he was like, the best thing was going to the park with mom. And in my mind, I was like, but you didn't even play. But just that connection point. And, but it was so rewarding for me to see how the joy that he brought back that day. So I love everything, like the connection, the calming, it's all it all just goes in with each other and how much, not how much better our kids are going to be because of it, but how much better they're going to be (laughs) because of it. Yeah. Like you just said, he came when it was time to go. Like when our kids are connected, they can follow directions. So if your child is really resisting, like that might be a sign to you, they're disconnected and I need to, like, you can even be like, let's do five minutes of special time or 
flip the switch ideas, I call them, and do like a quick little game together of like one round of hide and seek or something. And that can really turn things around too, because especially if you have multiple kids, you don't necessarily have time in the morning to be like, okay, let's each sit down and have special time, you know, but maybe you can all do like one round of hide and seek together or a quick game of tag or something. And that can really foster some of that connection so that your kids are ready and can listen. And so it does, it not only makes like decreases the behavior, but it's building that foundation of my emotions are okay. My emotions are safe here. And just like holding space for those so that as your child gets older, you have that foundation. Mm. Yeah. So good. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on. I know I've kept you, I've like watched the sunset from your windows. I'm like, oh, it's probably very late where you are, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much goodness, so much that we've had to do two episodes on it, but I really appreciate everything that you have brought and everything that you are helping parents through and your perspective of it, because I think that there's um, it's so needed, especially with a faith background too. Um, it's such a needed thing. So thank you from one mum to another. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. But before we go, can you just share um, where people can find you, where they can hear more of you, get connected with you? Yeah, thank you. I I don't mind. I love talking about this stuff. I could talk about it all the time. And it's actually nice to talk to another adult you know, like my kids all day. So there's not a lot of adult interaction, but yeah, uh, people can, I have a podcast as well. It's called chaos to connected. And I just dive into all sorts of topics like this. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, I can just send you my handle. It's just my first and last name. And then, um, I do have a, f- a free resource called, um, meltdown management. It's a mini training. So it kind of goes through a lot of these things, more basically. And then if you're looking for more specific help, I do have uh, lots of customizable one-on-one coaching. So yeah, depending on where you're at in your journey, there's, there's kind of several different, different ways that you can um, get that help. Yeah. So good. And we'll have all the details of that in the show notes where they can find you and connect with you and as well as the link to that uh, free training, but thank you again so much for coming on it's been a pleasure to chat with you yeah thank you well that wraps up another episode and I pray that you were blessed by today's conversation and really got something out of it for you to take into your motherhood this week if you did get something out of today's episode please subscribe leave a review so I know that you're loving the show you can also come and chat on Instagram the handle is at wholesome mama And don't forget, we have a Facebook community too with mums just like you who are in the trenches of mothering littles. So come and join us over there as well. The link for everything is always in the show notes. Have a beautiful week, mum. Be blessed and I will be with you next week.